0: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of The Brazen Truth, the podcast where we talk about morality, sexuality, and spirituality according to the Bible. I'm Tiffany Cater, and today we're going to be talking about my experiences with being a Christian single adult in the church. This topic can be dicey, and let me just tell you right now, I do not know. I don't have the answers, and um, most of my experiences are what not to do, Um, but I still think I think it's important that we talk about it because Sometimes knowing that the answer is something that it's not is even worse than not knowing what the answer is, if that makes sense. There's no formula for having a happily ever after with your Christian counterpart. But you guys know that God bestows a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That's from Isaiah 61, 1-3, through some of my favorite verses in the Bible. So get ready to get to know me on a whole new awkward level, because it's about to get real in here. Okay, so just a little note that I had to add here after the fact, I realized that not everyone watched part or listened to part one of my testimony, which is where I told you about my divorce, my marriage, it was abusive, um, etc. So if you want to go back and listen to that, then um, feel free to, but I didn't feel liberated from my marriage just because I'm a horrible person. It was a feeling of liberation because I was married and, I was married to a bad guy. Okay. So, uh, yeah, just adding that in there. So where to start? Let's just, let's just do it. Let's just, (laughs) okay. So where to start? Let's start at the end of my divorce. Um, I got divorced and it was quite liberating. I felt amazing afterwards. I um, felt on top of the world with all the possibilities in front of me. And I just knew that my singleness, my season of singleness was going to be amazing and brief Emphasis on brief. I thought it was going to be a year long because God knows me and he wouldn't put me um, under too much temptation for me to bear, which means abstinence, right? Um, (laughs) He knew that I couldn't be abstinent, so he wouldn't let me be single for more than a year. Well, I was wrong. Um, I was single for a lot longer than that. And it's probably because I didn't do it the right way. Like I did it wrong a lot um, a lot of times with a lot of people. So, um, (laughs) okay. It wasn't that many. Okay. So just, I could count them on one hand or two maybe, but, um, wow. Um, how am I going to do this? Okay. So after the divorce, I kind of went through this period of time where I was free falling. I had no plan of how I was going to be single, how how I was going to date. Um, I had no plans on how I was going to handle uh, the heartbreak and the pain that I was that I was. Experiencing, I, I, I didn't really feel the pain, but it was there. I was broken, um, and it would, it would become evident in the way that I was living my life. So, just because you don't feel any pain, doesn't mean that there's nothing wrong with you. Okay, some people can have a lot of things physically wrong with them without them actually feeling any pain. So keep that in mind when you are getting out of a relationship, have a game plan, you need therapy, maybe not a therapist, but a counselor, a Christian counselor who can help you um, walk through what your game plan is going to be for your season of singleness. I did not do that. So um, for the first six months, I kind of dated a few people and when I say dated, it was more like. Sleeping around. Um, I didn't really have any real relationships with these people. So at the six-month point, I decided, okay, I do not want to end up in another messed-up, horrible relationship, marriage. Um, So I'm gonna, I'm going to do this right, and I really want what God wants for me. I want what God wants for my child. It's not just about me anymore. I have to do it the right way. So um, I I sought God's face and I felt Him um, say to me, Tiffany. You need to wait a year. You need to wait a year from now before dating anyone, or even texting anyone, or doing anything that resembles pursuing a romantic relationship with anyone. Um, So that's that's what I did. I broke up with the guy that I had been most recently seeing, dating, or whatever you want to call it, and um, I decided to pursue. Um, abstinence, um, a relationship with God, and just being single-minded in my singleness for a period of a of one year. Uh, two months later, I I met this guy. Yeah, this guy is a great guy. He was in church. He played the guitar. He won people to Jesus in leadership, you know, just a swell guy. And, um, you know, because I met him in church, I was like, surely God wouldn't want me to pass up on such a good opportunity. He understands. He wants me to pursue that. So, instead of asking God, hey, God, do you want me to pursue it? I just assumed that he would want me to pursue it. Even though deep down in my heart, I knew that I was doing something that was the opposite of a what I told God I was going to do and b what he told me I should be doing. I knew it was wrong. I knew I shouldn't um, proceed, but I was like, I'm just texting him, right? It just starts with like small compromises. You know, I'm a grown ace adult. I can text whomever I want to because I have self-control. So I um, texted him and then I slept with him because that that's, that's how much self-control I had. Um, but we were in this relationship for a few months and we felt like we were in love. So we decided that we needed to get married to set things right. Um, I didn't marry this one. Okay, I didn't marry him, but I almost did. Before, well, we were we weren't just going to go to Vegas. We had some other leaders um, in the church that were going to come with us, be our witnesses while well, we got married at in Vegas. Um, but before I did this, Because I knew that I was not following through with the plan that God had given me, I thought, well, let's fast. Let's fast for a month, pray about it, not talk to each other for that month. And if God gives us the green light after that from our leaders, from our parents, everyone, let's just go do it. Um, So we started fasting uh, the third week into our fast. I found out that he um, had been cheating on me with at least two other women in the church. Okay, I think he was working on like a third or a fourth, but there was only two that came to their leaders and said, "Hey, this guy's kind of a scumbag." So I, um, I was heartbroken. I, I was devastated. Um, you know, when you know that the person is kind of messed up, it's a different kind of heartbreak when they mess up. Right. Um, When you think that they're a leader, that they love God, that they are one of the good ones, and then they betray you, it's a completely different uh, kind of devastation. That you feel a different kind of heartbreak. And so after that, I, I um, was removed from leadership, I had a good group of people that I was helping a good group of women that I was leading in a life group. And my life group got shut down, I was told not to come to church for a while. Um, I think it was maybe just a month or something like that. But Because this happened, you know, and I knew it was because of my own rebellion towards God. um, And I knew that I had messed up when I had been given a place of leadership and that I hurt the people that I was leading, because they're supposed to look up to me. And instead, I had let them down. Um, So I, I knew that I deserved it. But at the same time, it kind of um, it kind of downloaded a frame of thinking in my mind that was not good. And that frame of thinking was, if I cannot be righteous and I cannot live a lifestyle of purity, then I'm not going to pursue righteousness If that makes sense, I'm not going to try to lead people, try to help people, try to be involved in my church if I know I'm just going to mess up and let people down. No, instead, I'm going to wait until I get married and then I'll pursue righteousness because then I'll be able to have sex without letting everybody around me down. That was my mindset. And that's not good because when you are looking for your husband, for your wife, you want to look for them while you're doing the things that you want to do in your life. Like, for instance, if you want to live a life where you are um, helping people and you're, you're doing ministry and you're serving God, or maybe you're serving um, homeless people and you're witnessing to people that way, you want to meet someone who's doing those things right alongside you. Otherwise, when you get married and you're doing ministry and this other person is doing something completely different, it puts a strain on the marriage. It really does. When you get married, you become partially partially what that person is and that person becomes partially what you are. And sometimes that can be a beautiful thing, but sometimes that can be a devastating thing. And sometimes you lose a part of yourself that you loved the most, a part of yourself that you had your whole life planned around. So when you're pursuing someone, make sure that you're pursuing someone who's running the same course in the same direction as you. Don't wait until you feel like you are righteous enough to pursue righteousness, because when you pursue righteousness, the Bible says that God takes us from glory to glory, Okay, he will purify your heart. He'll take you from glory to glory. He'll make you better and better because iron sharpens iron. And so you have to be doing the things that you know God has called you to be doing while you're pursuing your spouse. Don't just wait around for you to feel spiritual enough, holy enough, righteous enough. Now, that doesn't mean you can just do whatever you want while pursuing leadership, while living in your church and taking leadership roles and leadership positions. Absolutely not. You can't just do whatever you want. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to be honest with your leaders. When you mess up, you have to come clean. You confess to God. You confess to your leaders so that they can keep you accountable. Now, having said that, I don't think that if someone is a single Christian and they uh, mess up in church, I don't think that they should be necessarily removed from leadership. Uh, Maybe I'm wrong. Again, I don't know all the answers, but I do know that people mess up. And removing them from doing the good things isn't a cure for the bad things that they're doing. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are saved by grace, not by the law, right? But the Bible also tells us that the way we can stop doing the bad things that we have been doing is by pursuing the good things. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, I'm going to read another verse about how we can get out of those temptations. Romans 6.16-19 says, Don't you realize that you can choose your own master, you can choose sin with death, or else obedience with acquittal. The one to whom you offer yourselves, he will take you and be your master, and you will be his slave. Thank God that you once chose to be slaves to sin. Now you have obeyed with all of your heart the teaching to which God has committed you. And now you are free from your old master, sin, and you have become slaves to your new master, righteousness. I speak this way using the illustration of slaves and masters because it is easy to understand. Just as you used to be slaves to all kinds of sin, so now you must let yourself be slaves to that which is right and holy. Romans 3 31 says, well then, if we are saved by faith, does that mean that we no longer need obey God's laws? Just the opposite. In fact, only when we trust Jesus can we truly obey him. So those verses in Romans go on and on about how the solution to not sinning is not by knowing the laws and focusing on what's wrong day and night. It's by doing good and by obeying God. Those are the solutions to preventing yourself from following the old man that has been crucified with Christ. Jesus didn't say, sit around and make sure you keep an eye out for all the sins that come at you. No, he says, take up your cross and follow me. So you're victorious, not in focusing on the sin and watching out for the sin, but you're victorious in putting on the full armor of God and going into battle every single day. You know, when King David sinned, when King David sinned, he wasn't um, removed from the throne as being a king. When he cheated with Bathsheba, they didn't remove the crown from his head. You know why? Because he repented. Saul sinned and didn't repent. And God's anointing was taken from from Saul. So you need to live a lifestyle of repentance, of obedience to God and the joy that comes from repentance. You don't have the joy that comes from someone who's been acquitted of all of their transgressions and set free from prison if you don't first know what you've done. Know that you deserve the prison, that you deserve the death, that you deserve the punishment. When Jesus says, "No, I've already paid the price." Living that lifestyle of repentance is so amazing, and we've um, we've kind of taken repentance and we've turned it into shame and condemnation and guilt. And those things aren't something that God wants for us to feel, right? Um, but shame and condemnation and guilt are not the same thing as repentance. Repentance is to turn away from your sin and to aim for something different. When you sin, that means that you miss the target. So you need to aim in a different direction so that you can hit the target so that you can hit the goal. Turning from your sin means to turn away from the things you were aiming at and aim at something else. Don't just live aimless. Don't just live your life aimlessly. So I know I was rambling a little bit there, but I think that those, I think those things were things that I really wish I, um, I would have had at the forefront of my mind during that portion of my single life. But after that happened, I was single for probably five more years. I ended up moving to North Carolina. Um, I did the whole Christian mingle online dating thing, which was really a horrible experience. Let me tell you guys, okay? Christian creepy guys are the creepiest of the creepy guys. Let me just put that out there. Um, I don't know how or why that works, but that that's the case. That's the case from my experience, okay? Um, but... <laughs> Um, also, before I forget, I want to add that there, there's a difference between a Christian who is single and they fall into sexual sin and they repent and someone who is um, a wolf in sheep's clothing. And maybe the the line is fine. Maybe there's a fine line between those two. Um, But when that line is crossed, and you see more of the sheep getting taken out by this wolf, then at that point, I understand, yeah, remove that person from leadership or from the church, if it's bad enough, you know, we, we have other sheep to take care of besides just the one. And if that Sheep crosses the line and makes themselves into a wolf, then you do have a whole congregation you need to watch out for, right? Um, A lot of people who who um, could potentially fall victim to this person, people who would otherwise not fall victim, right? But yeah, I just wanted to clarify that really quickly. So if you are one of those people who are um, straddling the line between sheep who's lost and needs a shepherd and wolf in sheep's clothing, just don't do it. Don't cross the line because if you cross the line and you become somebody who is taking people down and out of the church, then remember that scripture verse about the stone around the neck it's you know better to throw to jump into an ocean with the stone around the neck than it is to cause one of these little ones to fall. Remember that. Now that's not. I'm, don't be crazy about that verse. Just take it for what it is. Okay, it's a warning from God saying, don't hurt my people. If you hurt my people, you become an enemy of God. God doesn't want you to be an enemy. He loves you so much. He loves you so much. And if you feel like you've become an enemy. The way to not be a wolf is by vulnerability, being honest, having a leader, being submissive, being repentant, being humble. All of those things will help you to stop straddling that fence between wolf and sheep. Anyways, okay, I just had to say that real quick before I forgot. But um, so anyways, uh, did the whole Christian mingle thing. I also met a few people in the church. Um, Actually, I I had to start going to other churches besides the church I was was there to help build. It was a new church. Um, But there was really the only single people were teenagers. So obviously, my husband wasn't there. Um, So I started going to churches um, that had service on Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, Saturday nights, you know, um, looking for someone who was serving God, who um, could potentially be my husband. I, I, I was pretty ballsy. So I would give my phone number to, to to people who I thought were interesting sometimes. One time I handed my phone number to this one particular guy. He was probably about 15 years older than me. Um, but he, he loved God from what I could see, from what I could observe. And he was in ministry already. He had a ministry of his own. In fact, he had preached at my previous church um, back in Arizona years and years ago. Um, So I I thought maybe I I don't know what happened with this guy. I know he's been through a divorce. I don't know what the situation was with that, but he clearly loves God. So um, I started dating him and um, then I Googled his name. And apparently, he had been arrested for something horrendous involving a child. Now, the charges were dropped, so I have no idea if he was actually guilty of that or not. But the the fact was, it, it scared the hell out of me, okay? It scared me because I was like, okay, I have a kid. I, I can't risk it, okay? I can't just take your word for it. I can't just hope for the best. I can't afford to do those things. I realized that I could... Um, I could potentially introduce a really bad person to, into my son's life. I wasn't about to take that risk. So I knew I had to know him for a long time, or I had to trust someone very much who, who knew him for a long time. Um, and, and God began to move on my heart and speak to me that I needed to move back to Arizona, um, to Phoenix, Arizona. I had never lived in Phoenix, Arizona. I lived in Yuma, Arizona, a very small town a couple hours away from Phoenix. So I didn't have any family there. I knew a few people, very few people who lived there, um, but we weren't close. Uh, But I knew God gave me confirmation and he tugged on my heart and tugged on my heart and spoke to me so many ways um, to move to Phoenix. So I made plans to do it. Everyone thought I was a little bit crazy for doing that. And they did not recommend that I do that. In fact, they tried to get me to stay, but I knew that was one of the few times that God spoke to me um, super clearly about what I was supposed to do. So I moved to Arizona. I got transferred. I moved there. And um, it was not what I thought. Like everything else, I um, it was not what I thought it was going to be at all. I thought I would meet him pretty much immediately. I'd meet my husband and, you know, he'd we'd get married like, I don't know what I was thinking. I just I I was very impractical in my um, daydreaming about how this was going to come about. So I um, was working, I started working at my job at Allstate that I had been transferred to. But I also had to take a part time job at a gas station at nights because I couldn't pay my bills. There was one point where after I went to a Bible study, I had to wait at a gas station until my paycheck dropped at midnight before I could put gas in my car enough to make it home. Okay, so I wasn't in a good place financially. It was it was hard to live on my own. Um, so Three months into it, I told God, "Look, this is not what I signed up for. I can't do this for very much longer. You promised me that I was going to meet my husband, and there are no, there, there, there's not even any possibilities in the church that I'm going to. The guys that I've met here, there's no one that even is remotely close to um, being that person, being a possibility for me. Um, so I told him, I told God." If I don't meet and fall in love with my husband in the next two months, then I'm going to go home. And at that point, I started uh, looking for ways to get my um, job back in North Carolina. And, um, you know, it's crazy because, guys, I don't recommend giving God ultimatums. They don't usually turn out great. I've given him um, ultimatums before when they didn't turn out great at all. But this time, guys, this time it was amazing. And I knew he knew that I was going to say that. And he he's a God who always comes through on his promises, right? He is faithful. Even when we're not faithful, he is faithful. He's the same yesterday, today and forever. And he loves you so much. So when he gives you a promise, when he gives you a promise, believe him. Cause he's not going to let you down. Two weeks after I told him that I told God that, um, I get this text message from this random guy who got my phone number from this other random guy who I hadn't spoken to in years. Like he used to be my youth pastor. hadn't spoken to him in years and he gives his roommate this phone number. Um, for me because he felt like God was telling him that we would be good together. And guess what? We were good together. I fell in love with him almost immediately. Um, And there's a lot that goes into our um, dating story. But God knew this man was for me. God knew this time, this place. He promised me that I would meet my husband in Phoenix, knowing every single thing that I would do wrong during that time. He knew that I would meet him and we would come together. And this man, guys, he's better than I ever expected. He is loving and faithful. He's the most loyal person I've ever met in my entire life. And he's hilarious. He has the sense of humor that's like, you don't even see it coming. And then before you know it, you're rolling laughing. Um, And you know, not that this is the most important thing, but he is super handsome. Okay. He's handsome. Like I am proud to have him on my arm or for me to be on his arm. I don't know how that goes, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm really proud of him and proud that he chose me proud that he chose me. We were married three months later and no, it wasn't because I was pregnant. Um, (laughs) we just knew and we're going on eight years now and I, I can't tell you what this man means to me. Now, I do want to talk about blended families and all of the complications and all of the uh, trials that, that come with having a blended family because that's a huge topic as well. And I don't think anyone really knows how to do the whole blended family thing. But I think that, again, we need to talk about it. We need to talk about it. We need to be honest with each other about it so that we can help each other go from glory to glory. Because like I said, iron sharpens iron. And the only way that iron can sharpen iron is if it's in close proximity to the other iron, right? So we need to be close to each other. I need to be transparent with you guys. I need you guys to be transparent with me. So please send me some messages, some comments um, about what your thoughts are, your experiences are, your advice. I want to hear it all because we need each other. That's just the fact of the matter. Next episode, I'm going to have someone who is currently walking out their singleness, and we're going to be talking about some of her experiences and collaborating on um, the way that we think maybe the church should structure some things around um, being single. That's going to be on August 5th. She doesn't know she's going to be on the show yet, so I'm not going to drop her name, but she'll be here. And you guys definitely do not want to miss out on that one. So as always, like, subscribe, comment, share, and I look forward to pursuing the brazen truth with you guys again next time. Until then.